What's up, bosses? Before we kick off this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor this week, Rad Diversified. Now, we've spoken to Rad CEO Dutch Mendenhall a few times on the show. He was just on a few weeks ago, episode 265, gave us some amazing insight into what they're doing with farmland. Pretty awesome stuff. And they still do their traditional real estate as well, like residential, multifamily, and provide substantial value add opportunities. The best part about Rad is anyone can do it. You don't need to be a credit and you can jump in for as low as $1,000. Now, normally you would have to get on a wait list when you go to their website, but because you're an iLab listener, we're going to let you skip that list and join directly when you head to this site, raddiversified.com slash invest like a boss. That's raddiversified.com slash invest like a boss. Rad, R-A-D, diversified, D-I-V-E-R-S-I-F-I-E-D.com slash invest like a boss. I'm going to tell you even more about Rad during the break in the show, but for now, let's get this episode started. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. I'm Derek Sparks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses, and welcome to episode 268 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I am in the same country as Sam Marks, but for the first time in a long time. It's not Spain. It's not the Ukraine. It's definitely not the USA. Where is it? We are both in Thailand, but on opposite sides of the island. I don't even know if we can call it Thailand anymore. It's starting to feel a bit more like like a little Russia. I don't know what you're seeing there in Jompton, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so here it's a ton of Russians. Every menu is in Russian. Every, I mean, just you see them everywhere. Uh, but I think there are, mm. there are slightly different Russians here than in, in Phuket or in Bali, which is why I'm here because it's much cheaper. Uh, it's close to Bangkok, so I didn't have to take another flight. And my hotel, well, not my, my, my apartment is 10,000 baht a month, which is like 300 bucks. What? Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm paying that like a night in Bangkok right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the, I mean, the thing is, like prices have gone up so much in this past year, especially with all the Russian money coming in. And my theory is half the Russians who come, you know, they had, you know, they, they have money, they have savings or whatever it is. And they realize that the Russian ruble is basically worthless. So they might as well just spend it all and enjoy themselves versus then, yeah. you know, keeping it uh, in crypto, which is super volatile or keeping it in rubles, mm -hmm. which is artificially propped up. So I, th I think there's there's so much to, to cover on this. It's been it's been some time since I've been in Thailand. I think it's been more than a year for you, Johnny, right? No, it's since yeah, the last time I was here was January 2020, a month before COVID hit. Mm, wow. Okay. So lots of changes obviously. And yeah. I just spent a couple of weeks down in Phuket and I couldn't believe what I was seeing there with just plane loads and plane loads every single day of Russians coming in, talking to all the locals there and seeing exactly what you're seeing there in Pattaya. But uh, also I heard from, from friends and contacts, including Kevin Shea, that in Bali, the exact same thing's happening. So it's like a mega trend right now to cover. And on this week's episode, we've got a property manager who actually is the company that manages Kevin's villa in Bali. And, and Kevin introduced us. So we're going to have him on for kind of a quick conversation just on what they're seeing with their properties in Bali and the overall trend in Bali. And Johnny, I think you and I have a lot to catch up on because it's been so long since you've been over here. And and uh, based on what you've said, you're seeing so far in Pattaya, I think, yeah, I think we can call it a mega trend. Yeah. Um, you know, prices have gone up so much. 
And actually, did you say that Kevin's villa is finally finished? Because I know he's been building that for years. Yeah, it's finished. And man, it looks spectacular. He's probably already made like, he's probably already doubled the property price since he bought it. It was good timing on his part. Yeah, but that was definitely a very risky investment uh, sure. to be buying in Bali. I, I personally, I, I guess we talk about this in the, in the outro, but I would personally never buy property in, in Bali. Uh, and I probably wouldn't buy an investment property in Thailand either, but we could talk about that uh, in the outro. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's take a listen to Sam and Rafa. Welcome back to Invest Like a Boss. I got Rafa and Ahmed sitting across in Bali. Love the attire, guys. I would have thought you were in Hawaii, but I guess it's appropriate for Bali as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rafa, one interesting thing, uh, this is our first time we've talked. One interesting thing I, I noticed immediately was that you have a French accent, but Kevin Shea, who introduced us, told me that you were Italian. We had an Italian accent, so maybe he just needs to be uh, a little bit more inter- internationalized. Uh, well, no, actually, uh, we, I'm French, but I have Italian background, yes. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't pick up any Italian at all. <laughs> so, guys, I was just down in Phuket, and what I was seeing there is just like, I mean, it made sense, but I couldn't believe what, what had happened there in the, like, the last three months with property prices and just this massive wave of foreigners, largely led by by Russia for obvious reasons. But then I started speaking with with a couple of friends, including Kevin in Bali, and it seemed like the exact same thing was happening there. So I'm I'm super happy that we're able to speak and and explore what's going on a little bit and see if um, what's happening in Phuket's really matching what's happening in Bali. I think maybe as like a start, Rafa, I, I actually don't know that much about your guys' business. I just I know that that you work with Kevin and he had some great things to say about your company. So maybe you can start just telling a little bit about what you do on in Bali on the island and, and within uh, the lodging industry. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, like if I had to uh, break it down uh, very simple, like we are Airbnb management company. You know, we taking care of uh, people uh, who have uh, property here in Bali, mostly village, you know, and we list them on Airbnb, also on other platform, but Airbnb is the main player and uh, we receiving guests and we taking care of the property. Um, that's, that's, that's really our business model. Airbnb management to make it clear. That's really what we're doing. Yeah, give us an idea of uh, of how many properties you manage and how long you've been on the island. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Actually, we it's not to uh, if I have to be completely honest. I think we have the best uh, Airbnb on the island. We have uh, about like 150 property uh, listed on our listing on our on our account. Sorry, and um, we have uh, about like seven thousand uh, past uh, past review from past guests, and we have a score of four point nine uh, over five. So yeah, that's 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 all. Uh, that's uh, that's what we're doing. So there's there's a long running joke in Thailand that you buy a property and then 15 years later you sell it for the exact same amount of money that you bought the property <laughs> for, and that's pretty much been my experience. I bought I bought a handful of properties here going back about 10 years, uh, and I bought them all pre-construction. So I thought I got a great deal on them. And it turns out 10 years later, I don't even think I could sell them for what I bought them for. It doesn't sound like that's the same situation in Bali, or at least not in recent history. So love to hear what you've seen on the island since you've since you've been there. Well, uh, to be honest, I don't really know like the the, the, the condition on the Thailand the real estate market, but mm-hmm. here in Bali is uh, is really specific, you know, because like you cannot be a, a owner. Uh, as a foreigner, you cannot own the place. You can only have a, a long leasehold period uh, over it. So that's 
that that's a bit different, I guess. No, because in Thailand mm -hmm. you can you can own. No. Yeah, it's a little different in Thailand. You can do you can own it if it's in a Thai company, and that's land, which is pretty much any villa. Or you can you can own it outright. You can own it in your name in a condominium, but only certain ones. It has to be forty nine percent of any condo you can own in your own name. It's called a, a foreign freehold. But um, the other condo units you have to own in a Thai company, or you can do a lease. You can do a long term lease, which is. Um, 30 years, I believe. Okay. So yeah, that, that, that's that's why also like here, like on the real estate market, like you, what's really important for you as owner is to always have like at least 20 years of uh, leasehold guarantee on your on your property. So you can always like uh, extend the period with the with the the the, the, the local owner, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you when your contract uh, start to to go below uh, 20 years, the property really start to lose value. They start to lose value because the the, the length of yeah ownership the length of of lease is is limited. So you're only going to control it for that many years. Yeah, exactly. So you have less uh, less time to make your money back. And uh, yeah, yeah. And and Rafa, how many years have you been have you been in Bali or operating in Bali? I mean, more than 10 years now. More than 10 years. What have you seen change? Like, in the, that's got to be 10 years of a lot of growth because Bali's become one of the most popular places in the world in, in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, so, has it just been a constant up, up cycle of, in terms of, development and also uh, new people coming to Bali. Absolutely. Like what to do if I had to break it down, like uh, with one simple image, like every year we were doubling or tripling our, uh, our results mm. every year for 10 years. And b before the war broke out, who was, who was coming to Bali? Was it like one major demographic or is it, is it very international group? Well, it, it's very international, but still, you know, like number one, uh, always been the, the Australian because they're very close, right? And mm -hmm. for them, it's, uh, it's a very close destination and it's very cheap. So Australian are always been uh, number one. And then after European, a lot. And we have like people coming uh, from all over Asia also. Uh, China, China is Chinese tourists also, but like um, they, they, they come a lot in Bali, but they are absolutely not uh, in our market. They are not staying in uh, Airbnb or uh, mm. private villas. They go to in the big resort or they go to the hotel. So there is a lot of Chinese, but not, not in our market. Got it. Okay. And then I guess I'm, I'm assuming and one of the major points of this episode is what's happened recently, just in the last five to six months, uh, and specifically since the war broke out with Russia. In, in Phuket, they're, they're basically saying that half the planes each day are just completely full of Russians that are moving to Bali on a, a permanent or, or semi-permanent basis. So are you seeing the same thing in, in Bali? I, yeah, no, it's crazy. You know, like there are like uh, so many Russian uh, in Bali right now. Uh, Now you can even see like uh, everybody uh, translate the website in Russian, uh, the Instagram ad uh, they run in Russian. Uh, so yeah, you take your motorbike, you drive around Changu, uh, Perinan, like it's speaking Russian everywhere. So yeah, yeah, that's been. Uh, I mean, since the the, the, the start of the war, uh, a lot of them uh, flee the country and yeah, they stay in Bali. So I'm I'm not sure. This is more of a. It's more of a difficult question to answer, but I wanted to see if you had a view when looking at, at real estate prices uh, on the island. And I'm, I'm just thinking about this the same in Phuket. There's, there's a lot of different opinions. One opinion is that the immigration to, say, Phuket, Bali will just continue to happen because this war is probably going to be drawn out and they'll just keep coming. 
On the other hand, a lot of people are saying, well, no, a lot of this demand is short term because people are fleeing, say, Russia to escape the draft and things like that. And is but but money doesn't grow on trees. So at some point, it'll all run out and people are expecting by May, which is low season in Phuket, that a lot of the, the people that are here now will be leaving. I don't know if there's a view going on in, in within your organization if you think that this trend will be long term or if you think it's just kind of a, a short term three month thing that will will kind of go back to manageable levels soon. I, I tend to be always like a little bit pessimistic. So I think, yes, it's a, it's a short term thing. Yeah, short term thing. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, OK, Bali, irregardless of this of this massive immigration recently, everything's just been ballooning up anyways. Um, yeah. Where are you seeing which part of the island are you seeing? the most uh the most growth currently or the most demand currently new demand i would say uh, the south uh, the peninsula you know bukit around uh, around Bingin, it's been crazy but also like uh, changu and perenan is going uh, yeah. very well also and what what have you seen happen within the pricing of the units under your management are the price have the pricing gone up by a significant margin recently yeah it it, it, uh, it went up also why I recognize also is like there is a lot of property also that has been booked on a, on a long term basis by these Russian mm-hmm. people, so they take a six months contract directly. So it put out of the market of the nightly rental, the Airbnb rental. It put out a lot of uh, units, so it allowed us to to raise the price actually. Okay. Because there's less supply, but this this can hand I think. So how do they? How are they booking a longer term lease through you guys? Do they book it through Airbnb directly, or do they come to your company yeah. and say we need six months? Yeah, like they, they they will find us on Airbnb and they will contact us in direct after to get the better deal. Okay, I think that's exactly what's happening in in Phuket as well. And then okay, and so what is the demand in ter- terms of properties? Most of the, your properties are, are are villa style, correct? Correct, private villas with private pool. Uh, average three to four bedroom. They're saying in like in Phuket right now that pretty much there's no there's no villas available for the next yeah. three months. Like they're pretty much a whole island does not have a villa that's available on a short term basis. Oh, not surprised. Here also, like it's very very difficult right now to find a find villa for for long term, like six months or one year. It's pretty much everything is booked. Okay. And that's really what that's what Bali is known for, right? Bali is known for the villas, lot not as much for the resorts and the apartments. I mean, when I think of Bali, I think of a of a pool villa. I don't think of an apartment, but maybe yeah, maybe true. things have changed, or I went to dip the wrong area. No, no. Well, I mean, yes. Right now, this is the this is the case. It's really like the speciality of the you know these like private villas with your private pool, uh, big garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is true also is that uh, what we see in the market right now is a trend to, because the, the price of the land is going is going crazy also. So now people try to um, optimize optimize yeah the the the, the surface. So there is mm-hmm. more and more of, uh, one one bedroom uh, serviced serviced apartment coming up with a private pool. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that's the trend right now on the market in the real estate market. Very cool. How have you guys' business been been affected over the last few months? Is it is it been mostly a good thing, or has it been a, a little too cra- little too crazy? No, no, it's, it's been very good. You know, like we you know, we're doing our best here so far. So no, it's very good. Yeah, a lot of business, okay. especially after COVID. And then in terms of uh, 
the property prices, are you seeing similar increases in the property prices? There's mostly just on a rental basis that the prices have gone up so dramatically. You mean uh, uh, to, to buy? To buy or to rent? Yeah, on a basis? to buy. Yeah, it, it, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, no, definitely. He took uh, 30% minimum hmm. over the last... So, sorry, what was that? How much high? It took like about, let's say, 30% over the last six months. Yeah, that's, what the, that's basically what people are saying in, in Phuket as well. And Phuket property prices haven't changed in like 15 years, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, maybe land has, but villa prices and, um, and res- like uh, apartments and stuff, they haven't moved. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the places here too, they, they erode so quickly. And I'm not sure, I'm sure it's a tropical thing, but I think the building, the, the, the quality of the buildings are just, you know, the material is really not well done. Because if you go to Mi- Miami, things hold up pretty well and I take really good care of it. But here, it's like a building's built and three years later, it looks like total crap. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, I mean, like uh, the material available here to, to, to build also is average and um, the standard to build also, let's say they are, they are average. So, but, but still, you know, like there is way to, to, to build uh, to build good property here. But then after like mm-hmm. the real, the, the key is, is the maintenance. And that's what we're doing also, you know, like uh, you need to maintain it like every day. Every day, every day. Yeah. Okay. And then for, for owners that are out there, or people that are interested in buying property just for your company, can you give us just an idea of, of um, your range of services and the, the, uh, the management fees that you guys charge? Yeah, sure. So basically, like uh, to assist you to purchase a villa, we will charge like a 5% commission that will be paid by the, the seller. On the management side, we will charge a 15% on the nightly price. 15 Fifteen one five one five absolutely great. And if someone wants to buy a property in Bali and just never come to Bali and just leave it with you, they can just give you guys the keys and you guys can take care of everything top to bottom. Absolutely, absolutely. I have I have like uh, I would say like I think twelve or fifteen clients who are like actually uh, uh, never been in Bali. They buy online. They ask <laughs> me to to browse the market, find the best uh, the best property that uh, they were really like uh, interested. Uh, to make a financial investment, actually, they don't really care about what I make them buy. They tell, they told me like, okay, just blow the market, select the property that, in your opinion, has the most uh, potential on the Airbnb market that will they'll generate the, the best revenue, and then we go. You know, so I do that a lot. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's like so they, they, they never they, they never came actually. You know, <laughs> they never meet me in person, they just by by Zoom. You know, especially during COVID. You know, like it was like because they were opportunity. So there are a lot of smart people who are buying property uh, during COVID and. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It takes up takes a lot of trust to buy a, a place yeah. sight unseen and just wire the money across to a foreign country yeah, and yeah. a foreign management team. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. Good man. This is uh, this has been fun. Obviously, a big trend, uh, major movement in in humans and capital right now. I appreciate you guys coming on. We'll leave links in the show notes, and uh, we'll have more to to say. And thanks uh, to Kevin Shea for introducing us. And looking after his villa, I'm coming in July um, to stay at it. I'll try not to leave too much of a mess. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate your time. Yeah, you're welcome, Tom. Thank you.
This week's sponsor of Invest Like a Boss is Rad Diversified REIT. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we've spoken to their CEO, Dutch Mendenhall, a few times. And if you want to go back and check out those episodes, Dutch is a super fun guy to talk to. We dug in deep into not just their traditional real estate investments, but also farmland, their survivalist project, and so much more. You can hop back and check out those episodes. It's iLabs 178, 194, and just recently on iLab 260. Now, at Rad's inception in October 2019, their stock price was $10 per share. And as of October 2022, that value is already up to $22.22, all while providing distributions to their investors as well. And Rad makes it super easy for you to invest. You don't need to be accredited, and you can get in as low as $1,000 for your initial investment. But you got to go to a special website if you want to get in immediately. Otherwise, you got to sit on a wait list and we know you don't want to do that. So head over to raddiversified.com slash invest like a boss and you can skip that wait list and invest immediately. That's raddiversified.com slash invest like a boss. Rad, R-A-D, diversified, D-I-V-E-R-S-I-F-I-E-D.com slash invest like a boss. Sam, are you surprised how expensive Bali has gotten or how expensive Phuket has gotten in the last year? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I always thought Thailand property was undervalued. It's a it's a weird market here. Like I was explaining to this guy I was training Muay Thai with, this really smart guy from New York, works in finance. And he's like, there's a saying here, like in Thailand, that you buy a property and 20 years later, you set up for the exact same thing. And that's been my experience here, Johnny, since I bought my, my properties, which I thought I got a great deal on all of them because I bought them pre-construction like 10 years ago, right? And they haven't gone up in value at all. And I think what we've seen in like a lot of markets is properties flat for a long time. And then the wind blows a new direction. And all of a sudden you get like a 50% pickup over the course of like three years or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that seems to be what's happening in, in Thailand. So I am surprised, but I always thought pr- like prices were cheap. When you could, you go to Phuket and buy like four bedroom, beautiful, like picturesque villa with a decent piece of land, nice pool, you know, for half a million bucks. I think that's a pretty damn good value. I've always thought that was a good value, but you know, my experience <laughs> in buying in Thailand has been, is uh, I guess been like somewhat jaded. So I've just never thought about buying more property, but you know, obviously what we're seeing now is like, in a in a world of t- turmoil, Bali and Phuket are like great places to go. Just forget about the issues of the world. Uh, they're international. They've got international communities. Nice local people. They're affordable. Like they check so many boxes. If you're just trying to kind of like forget the the outside world, so I guess that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that Thailand and Bali is a good place to escape. You know, it's a they're both great vacation destinations, and I can see why a lot of people. Will- have moved there, especially Russians that can go with no visa. You know, some of them mm-hmm. are just uh, overstaying their visas and just saying, I'll deal with it, you know, when the time comes. Uh, and a lot of them are just making visa runs. So I, I've i been kind of just undercover speaking to Russians uh, that I, I meet on the uh, the song tiles, these, these shared taxis. I've been asking them mm-hmm. w- what they, th- you know, what they think of, uh, you know, being in Thailand. 
what their plans are, what they're doing about visas, what they think about Putin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been yeah. it's been interesting. Uh, but one of the well, things that a lot of them are doing, they're making visa runs, like literal border runs, where they'll border minibus, sit on it for 10 hours to go to Cambodia, and they come straight back just to get another 45 days. I feel like I, I thought Thailand kind of stomped out that like that land crossing border run. I think they, they and that you had to actually like fly out for a couple of days or something in order to do that anymore. No, as far as I know, they've stomped it out if you if you do it multiple times, but everybody can do it once because it, it's part of traveling. You know, there, there's so many countries that you can go to to by train or by land, mm. and you know they don't mind if you you know go to Cambodia or Laos um, and then come back to extend your holiday because it, it, that is a kind of a normal part of backpacking or traveling. They just don't yeah. want people to do it over and over again. Well, dude, tell me some more more of the themes that you've heard from talking to. <laughs> I haven't talked to any Russians. I just like I kind of walk the other direction. But I know your your style is more like engaging and and inquiring. So, like, what what else have you heard from some of the people you talk to on those questions? Yeah, I was asking them how they you know how they get their money out of uh, out of Russia and um, you know the exchange. Most of them, the ones that have a bit more money, all of them are going through crypto. Um, they, they exchange it for some kind of stable coin and then immediately mm-hmm. change it for local currency. Uh, but the people who actually brought physical rubles out, they can just exchange it at any local exchange, but the rates, the, the true street rate, it's absolutely rubbish. It's literally a one penny to the US dollar now. So they get, I think they ha- they oh. get like uh, 30, yeah, 37 Thai bot for every like thousand rubles, whatever it is. I mean, I mean, uh, Whatever it is, it's exactly half of what the published rate is. So Russia's ruble is definitely propped up. I think in the country, you might be able to get a little bit more if you can get someone actually, you know, I mean, obviously you can still spend rubles in Russia, but once you get out, that mm-hmm. money is worth exactly exactly half of what it's stated to be worth. Okay. Damn. Well, I know some of them are doing it, doing the full works because I've seen a lot of Russians pay with a Thai bank. I don't know if you've seen Johnny, but Thailand's got this awesome payment system that they rolled out during covid that's uh that's just a qr scan so if you have a thai bank all the you'll see when like in any of the restaurants there's a qr code right at the next to the cash register and they'll put in like the number it's like 260 baht and you just scan the qr code and it'll pull up 260 baht on your banking app you basically just click okay and it's and it instantly transfers them the money it's awesome like it's it's definitely the most efficient payment way. I think it's even faster than Apple Pay and better than Apple Pay, in my opinion. But I've seen a lot of, of Russians pay that way, which means they have a Thai bank, which is not easy to get. Like you don't just walk up and get a Thai bank, you know? I don't, I don't so know. I guess I've always... Because it used to be really easy. I, 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 like, I was able to get my Thai, Thai bank as a tourist. So I don't know how it works. I, maybe the, the, the laws have gotten stricter since. But the one thing about Russians is they they share information within their own community. So it only takes one savvy person to kind of develop some kind of contact somewhere. And then they share it in their private telegram groups. And then everybody goes to that one bank. So mm. I don't know if it was one bank that just decided to have a relationship with the Russians because they wanted the money, or maybe they got bribed or you know whatever it is. It only takes one. And then everybody goes to the same place. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I don't know. I had to use, when I got my Thai bank account, I had to use an attorney and like fly to Phuket and do shit tons of paperwork. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, that was 10 years ago. I don't know. Maybe it's gotten easier, but I assume that's kind of when you probably got your Thai bank account too, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, the funny thing was I literally was walking around with my life savings, which at the time was like $2,000, you know, uh-huh. and I, and I was so scared to keep it in my bamboo hut that I was renting for $150 a month because there was like no windows and no security. So I just walked around to different banks and I said, like, please can I open an account. And the first two said no. And then the third one was like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, who knows, right? All right. So, so my, I guess my assumption was that all the, all the Russians that were coming here were like the rich ones that could afford to be out of the country, out of Russia forever indefinitely. And they're buying these like now multi-million dollar villas. And that's going to be it. They're just going to stay here probably forever. And I talked to a couple other people and they thought like that that was not accurate, that most of the Russians over here are basically avoiding the draft and spending all their life savings as, you know, and basically going to going to run out of money in a few months. And probably by summer, most of them will be gone, hoping that they they missed like part of the draft or something. Do you have any opinion on that or any insights from the people you've spoke with? Yeah, from what I've seen, it's, it's about half half. Uh, I mean, in the mm-hmm. area I'm living in, so I'm actually not in Pattaya. I'm in Jompton, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the, it's the Compton of Thailand. You know, it's a cheaper family it- kind of neighborhood. Bangkok, Kopenyang, Phuket, the places I would normally go are too expensive now because of all the Russians. Mm-hmm. So I came here. And the people that are here, I would say is definitely more of the people who are just living off of savings. Lots of families here. There's a you know, I've seen a couple, like especially if I go into Pattaya itself, which is, you know, um the next next city over, I do see, you know, some of the the wealthier uh, you know, Russians that, that you're talking about. But I would say most of them are probably in Bali or Phuket. And a lot of them are mm-hmm. buying up real estate, not really just to live in forever. I think it's more just to get their money out of rubles yeah. and putting it somewhere where they can potentially at least hold the value. I mean, like I don't even think they're they're thinking about making money from it right now. They're just they're thinking of a free place to live mm. uh, and a place just to store the value. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the buying proposition here, which is it, it doesn't make sense at all unless you expect this trend to continue and that you can get a uh, a gain on on the appreciation of your property. Because the rental proposition, even now with with what's going on, the rental proposition is still so much better. In Bangkok, a nice one-bedroom apartment, like in one of the new modern buildings, will cost you somewhere around 12, 14 million baht. So that's like, let's just say $400,000 for a nice one-bedroom. That's not cheap, but you can rent that same unit for like $1,000 a month. So that's 12,000 on a four, 12,000 a year on a $400,000 property. So that's like, what's that? Like 2.5% return. Yeah. That's crap, right? That, that's as low as like, that's as low as any city like Singapore, New York, you know, and sometimes you can get more, like, especially if you rent it out on short term, like on Airbnb, uh, yeah. but it, it normally never caps over 7%. So it's, it's never that good of a return. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, don't think about it, but as you mentioned in the interview, the Thai apartments or condos aren't maintained very well. Yeah. And and that's actually mostly to do to the low HOA fees in the US. I mean, how much do you pay for HOA at, at your, your house? Oh, dude, it's well, my house isn't a good example, but because there's not really, uh, they only take care of the surrounding, like the grass and stuff. And it's a really low cost place. But let's say Miami, my friend, John had a million dollar condo, three bedroom condo in a high rise in sunny aisles. He was paying $4,000 a month, dude. That's in insane. HOA. Yeah. Plus, plus 3,000 for tax, plus 3,000 for tax, 
plus whatever he was paying for insurance. He had like 8,000. He owned the place outright. <laughs> he still had 8,000 a month before electricity and utilities just to live in his own place. Yeah, that, that, that's wild. And you know, and, and to bring that down to kind of the more standard reality, let's say someone lives in a place that's, you know, 500,000 to a million dollars, uh, you know, which is pretty common in the US nowadays, just for like a basic one bedroom condo, you're yeah. paying at least $500, you know, it could be up to $800 a month in, in HOA fees, which most of it goes to maintenance of the building to keep it kind of new and nice. In Thailand, yeah. the average HOA fee is like 20 bucks or something. So they don't even have the money. Like, what do you pay for your HOA in, in your in your condos? Yeah, that's a good point. I think I'm paying about $40 a month per unit. Yeah. So for that amount. So say, let's say 400, 500 a year. And yeah. it's, you know, but, they, but they, they do a pretty good job up there. That's a, a nice building in Chiang Mai. So I'm sure that's the high end. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, for 20 to 40 bucks, they have to maintain a pool. They have a full-time security guard and reception. Like it's, yeah. there's not that much money left over for anything else. Yeah. A lot of the older buildings, like the one I'm in, their HOA is even lower. It might be 15 or, you know, $20. <clears throat> so the way that they actually collect enough money to even run things like the elevator or clean the pool is they charge more per kilowatt for electricity. So the standard mm -hmm. government rate is about four Thai baht per kilowatt. And these older buildings, almost all universally charge eight Thai baht, which is double. So that money goes back into the the condo you know, as a HOA fee, basically. Uh, okay. Eh, fair enough. So describe what your your the places you're staying in. You said it was 10,000 uh, baht a month. Yeah, which is a little bit less than 300 bucks. <laughs> so it's super cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, mm -hmm. I, I'm the second line to the the beach. I'm one block away from the beach, partial sea view. Um, it's just a, a big room. It's a studio, but it's pretty big. I have a you know king size bed, a couch, a flat screen TV, small kind of uh, kitchenette. But it's definitely Thai style. It's a super old building. I, I imagine this is built in the in the 80s or 90s. But what I like about it is there's a 7-Eleven downstairs, there's a bunch of Thai, you know, local Thai restaurants, um, you know, a bunch of massage places, a bunch of coffee shops. And then I'm literally one block from the beach. And it's just a very easy place to live. And I Man, even- sounds so nice. Yeah. I, I honestly, I briefly thought about just buying a place here because there's so many units for sale and they sell for one and a half mm -hmm. mini Thai baht, which is like 40 grand. Wow. Jeez. That's- I- I had the, this, this, um, well, I've been in Bangkok for a week, right? And I'm staying in central in these nice hotels and stuff. I just don't, I don't like it. And you know, I, I think going to Bangkok and staying in like a nice hotel is great for three days. I think it's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. But any longer than that, I don't even feel like I'm in mm -hmm. Thailand anymore. It's just like I'm mm -hmm. in any big, dirty city. And a lot of the areas, there's not even like local Thai food around. It's just like, high-end restaurants everywhere it's like nothing's super easy and last night i went over to riverside which is an area i've never spent like any time and i just kind of walked around the riverside and it was all like local markets and little local street food and you barely saw any foreigners at all and everything was kind of old like lana style thai style and i was like i felt like i was in thailand again and i'm like dude maybe i'll just come over here and like rent kind of a crappy room but it's like get away from all that that new construction and stuff i think that's that's when i feel the best in thailand was when i'm actually like feel like i'm in thailand you know like yeah. indoors, 
in in older like the old city of of cities the old part of cities you know so i don't know more more to catch up on that when i see you johnny but yeah yeah i could definitely see that but as as far as buying a place you know as you mentioned you know aside from this you know random fluke we have a bunch of of people you know, coming somewhere just to park their money, kind of like what the Chinese did with the the RMB when, um, mm. you know, they, they were afraid that the government was going to just, you know, either collapse or, or seize their assets. Uh, the Russians are doing the same, and I think that's the primary reason why prices are are so high now. I think it's artificial. You know, my general philosophy is if you can't get a you know seven you know to ten percent return. Uh, on rental from day one, it, it's already not a good investment because even if you choose to live in it, you might as well just bought, you know, rented the place. If if you're not even getting, if you're not going to be able to get ten percent, like you, you might as well put your money into you know index funds and then just use that for for free rent instead. You know, in Thailand, uh, I wouldn't buy just because you either have, you know, if you want to buy land, you have to do it through a company, which is always. Uh, a gamble. I mean, I've heard so many. I mean, li- literally dozens of people who have gotten ripped off either by their, you know, their ex-wife or their Thai lawyer or some just something happens where they they never the really developer. legally yeah. developer. Yeah, like they, they never really end up uh, owning the place just because it's, it's a loophole. If you buy a condo, as as you mentioned, they're not maintained very well, and there's so there's so many new condos being built all the time. The, the value really never goes up. So if you're not getting the rental income from it now, you know, in five, 10, 15 years, it's going to be worth even less. And there's going to be a brand new one next door to you that people rent from. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as far as Bali. No, things go wrong here all the time. There was also a story I heard of, of a guy who did a, bought a property and the deal went bad and he started bad mouthing the developer online, like all these, you know, all these places. And he was in Thailand and they picked them up and arrest the police picked them up and arrested them and threw them in jail for like some some type of defamation. Yeah. Bad yeah, it, some so and so, you know. They threw him in jail for that. It's like Yeah. It's crazy. Whoever, you know, whoever's got the line into the police kind of wins <laughs> and it's not going to be you. So Yeah. Foreigners have very little rights uh in Thailand. And it's great to be here as a tourist, but I would never want to own uh, property here. I mean, the only reason why I would do it is if I just didn't care about the money and just wanted to park it. Like like mm-hmm. a lot of the Russians are doing. That that's really about it. In Bali, I'll also I would never buy a place because first you don't even get like in, in Sri Lanka. When I was thinking about buying a property, I was very hesitant because you never own it as a foreigner. You get a ninety nine year lease, mm-hmm. uh, or you do it through a company like with has, has the downsides as I mentioned before. But even ninety nine years, I was like, you know what? Every time you sell it. You know, it's going to be worth less. Like, why would somebody buy your property that has you know seventy nine years left when when they can buy another one for nine with ninety nine years left? Uh, it's like a countdown to your your money being worthless. In Bali, right. it's a thirty year lease, which means from day one, now you have twenty nine, you know, point uh, nine years left, and every year it's a countdown to you your money being worthless. Yes, you could technically extend it for another 20 years, but who knows who you're going to have to bribe or what's going to happen uh, then. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Well, you know, for, for Russians, there's not an unlimited amount of places that they can go, right? Johnny, like a Russian passport does not get you into that many countries. I know like Dubai, Thailand, I think Cambodia, some places in South America, but for the most part, the rest of the world's like off limits, right? You know, I, I think there was actually technically like 81 or something, but there's, yeah, you're right. A lot of them are in Africa or South America, maybe, you know, 
there's a, there's only a handful of places that that they would actually want to live. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if I if I was Russian, I would probably end up just moving to like either Georgia or Kazakhstan or Kyrgyzstan or one of those kind of you know f- those places that are they're next door. You know, uh, I know a lot of them are you know coming to places like Thailand or Bali, but I think I, honestly I think it's a it's not the best place to be. I mean, I, I heard Bali is going to close visa on, on arrivals for for Russians uh, just because so many people are doing it. Okay, this was my thought. This is my immediate thought when I was in Thailand. I go, I was thinking, okay, they want to come here also because the, if this war expands, you don't want to be in a country that let's say say there's there's two sides of the war. It's, and this happened in World War II, right? If anyone's read this story, Seven Years in Tibet or the, or seen the movie, where like a country joins a war against your country or against your your your, your allies, all of a sudden you're a prisoner of war, right? Mm. So this guy. The, the story of seven years in Tibet was the guys were in India. India became part of um, the British Empire. And there's Germans in India. Well, they, they became prisoners of war and got locked up for seven years, basically. And so that, that can happen. There's very little chance of Thailand or Bali joining the war if the war expands. So I think people feel kind of comfortable like making an investment here and setting up their life here. But you talk to enough people, the only people that are really happy with what's going on in Phuket or like just say in Thailand are the, the, the landowners because they're making a big appreciation on, uh, on the property and the trend. But the locals hate it because frankly, Russian culture is totally counter to Thai culture. Like mm-hmm. Thais are all about nice hospitality, respect, appreciation, and Russians are not that at all. They're rude. They don't say thank you. They don't smile, etc. And so I was thinking like, and then, you know, you see a lot of misbehaved people as well. And I'm not straight bad mouthing Russian people because, you know, Americans came over, <laughs> there'd be a bunch of bad ones as well. Right. But I, w- I would think as a community, they would be like, look, w- the way that, w- you know, we were raised in our culture isn't really flush with, with these people. We might want to try to be like a little bit more balanced or a little bit more nice because all that happens is like if Thailand changes their rule and t- Bali changes their rule we're kind of fucked. Like we don't have that many good options to go places. Like we go to Dubai and, but all of a sudden like the window of places are going to be closing. So that, that was, this was my thought when I first got to Phuket and I just saw like these mobs of Russians going around and like where they are located, the ties basically don't even say hi anymore. It's really weird. Like there is no sweaty cup. There is no, there is no smile. It's just like straight business because you know they're going to say hi to people and they're not going to get a response. So what's the point? Yeah. So guess what happened? Guess what happened? Guess what happened a week ago, Johnny? What? What happened? Well, you just told me about the the Bali thing, right? Which was news to me, but it's not a surprise. So Johnny had just said that Bali is now not going to allow visas on arrival, which is a that's like a major change, right? It's not official yet, but that it's in it's in the works. Okay, so that's that's in the works. What they just did in Thailand a week ago, like right after we got done recording this episode, they signed an extradition treaty with with uh, Russia, which means not only will like any type of criminals have to be extradited, but anyone that's avoiding conscription or the draft mm. will have to be expedited. So all the people that are over here that are just avoiding the draft and think they can hang out here. No longer. That's huge news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that just takes like two places almost fully off the map for a lot of people. 
a lot of Russians. Yeah. And I think it's because I think a large part of it is because they're not friendly and like the locals Mm -hmm. complain about it. I know all the taxi drivers in Bali have been complaining about it. Like uh, my friend Mazi got into the airport and they asked him if he was Russian and they made him show his ID because they wouldn't, they weren't going to take him to his hotel. They were Russian because so many Russians were just getting in the taxi and then complaining or trying to negotiate a lower price the entire way to the hotel and things like this. So, Oh man, I I was on this Songtao, which is the you know the ten baht short taxi, which by the way is thirty cents, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a fixed price. It's it's almost like it's so cheap that like it's it's a I I almost feel like it's a privilege to be able to go on them. You know, it's like a public yeah. service almost. And this this Russian couple, uh, they had a kid with them. He was probably like I don't know seven or something, but she was trying to negotiate because it was cramped and he had to sit on her lap. Then he says, she says, well, I'm only going to pay for two people. Then I'm only gonna pay for two seats. And the driver was like, <laughs> no, like Welcome it's like Thailand. <laughs> it's 10 baht per people, you know, like, and she yeah. got pissy and she was rude. And I was like, it's 10 baht. Like it's, <laughs> if you wanted a taxi, there's three of you just take a taxi. It's only $3. It's not that much more to take a private taxi, but like, Maybe you should remember the reason why you're in Thailand. You're escaping sanctions where you don't even have like the ability to buy cheese and and all types of crap in your country. Like maybe you should be gracious of the hosts uh, here. I don't know. I I think in the Russian culture that they're not, they're just not thinking that way. And and to be, to be honest, I mean, I I watch a lot of videos about what's happening in, in Russia from, from uh, Russian vloggers who are showing the grocery stores and, and life. And, 98% 98% of of Russian life is, is still very normal. I mean, you know, like, yeah, maybe they're, they're not getting certain brands of cheese, but they're just replacing it with others. And maybe Coca-Cola isn't on uh, the shelf anymore, but it's, it's you know, on the floor away from uh, prying eyes or just, or, you know, or something with a different brand. So they're, they're really not suffering that much um, in Russia itself. And when they come here, they're just kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm here on vacation. It has nothing to do with me. I don't want to risk my life uh, protesting uh, against the war. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do do my thing and enjoy the sun until this, you know, someone else figures it out. Yeah, fair enough. You make your own bed, though. Yeah. No more Bali. Bali's off the map. Yeah. That means, you know what that probably means. That means there'll be double as many people that want to come to Thailand. Well, not if they instate this, uh, yeah. This extradition. It, that, yeah, I don't know if yeah. they will, but we'll see. So where's the overflow going to go? Because that's actually, I mean... If you were a betting man, you find the next place when when Bali and Thailand are no longer that accessible to Russians. Where does that? I mean, there's got to be there's got to be over a million between the mm-hmm. two right now. So where do they all go? Dubai probably. I mean, honestly, if I was if I was them, I'll go to like Albania or something. Yeah, South America. Yeah. Well, Albania is in, in Europe, but yeah, you can go to South America uh, also. But Albania's Albania's close by. South America seems like a good place because of, you know, the fallout of World War One and World War Two, and all the Europeans that that ended up over there. Especially a lot of Germans. There's also a lot of Japanese that ended up over there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have these communities in like Patagonia, Southern Chile, and and Argentina. They're gonna be like German community, and then like next block over from that are left over from like War One and War Two that just stayed there. And then you're gonna have like the Russian community <laughs> right yeah. next to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, that is the best place to go if they want to stay somewhere very long term, uh, especially yeah. because they don't speak English. So they're not getting 
you know, like the the U.S. news or the kind of information from the English-speaking side. So they get very limited, you know, um, Spanish news. So they're a lot more disconnected from from the war and what's happening because they're so far away that uh-huh. you know they probably don't really care what's happening in 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 Europe because it doesn't it really doesn't affect them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Makes sense. Well, I think um, one thing that that you raised, Johnny, that's probably worth mentioning is where you're staying, there is still like this market of really, really cheap properties in Thailand. I don't think that's going anywhere because where all the money is flooding is villas with land or land as a whole, villas, because it can support families and it's better like long-term residents. And then it's new construction. And in Bangkok, there's tons of new construction. There's actually a new project. It's the biggest continuous concrete slab in the entire world which sounds insane. And it's a new, it's a new development complex called uh, Bangkok One that's I think supposed to be done next year. And it's like all sold out. So all these new buildings, they're all completely sold out. And from what I've heard, speaking with agents, it's all Middle Eastern money, Chinese money, and Russian money. No surprise. So a lot of people getting their money out of the country and just putting it in something they think's relatively stable or can hold its value. And there's relatively low red tape or bureaucracy or asking where the money came from. But um, there is still just a ton and there always will be a ton of places you can buy for like 50,000 to 100,000 because there's not a really much of a foreigner market for that. And then the local ties, uh, the economy is not strong enough for them to really buy them up in mass. So yeah, I, I could definitely see that. So, yeah, really interesting uh, topic. I'm glad you uh, uh, did, did this interview. And I think this is interesting. So if you guys listening uh, would buy something, have bought something, let us know. Uh, let us know on the Patreon or in the Boss Lounge. And uh, thank you guys so much for leaving these reviews on Spotify. It's been helping a lot to, to get us uh, through this downturn in the economy yeah. uh, by keeping us in the top 10 uh, investment podcasts out there. Because that's the only way we can get sponsors and continue the show on a basis where, where you're getting you know three or four episodes a week so or a month. So thank you guys so much. And Sam, uh, looking forward to hanging out in person soon. Yeah, I'll see you next week for recording our quarterly updates in person, hopefully on the beach with some fresh coconuts. Yeah, and just guys, to remind you that goes live pretty much the same day uh, as soon as we record it in the Patreon as a video format in the long form format, and then it comes out a few weeks later in the the kind of uh, shortened version for for the public uh, as an episode. So for five bucks a month, you guys support us and get early access to the full video recordings. See you guys uh, hopefully in the Patreon. Thanks, Sam. Sorry, cup uh, and cup, Sam. <laughs> Lock on. That's goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.